Welcome to the Skift Podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. With 5,200 hotels around the globe, Intercontinental Hotels Group works with a lot of customers, and the UK-based hotel company is fixated on what those guests want. But there's one problem, the CEO told us. They want everything. Figuring out how to deliver on a customer wish list that includes just about everything is a priority for IHG, one of the largest hotel companies in the world. One thing that isn't as important, growing just for the sake of getting bigger. Richard Solomons, the CEO of IHG, was a speaker recently at the first ever Skift Forum Europe in London. He also spoke to me, editor and podcast host Hannah Sampson, behind the scenes in the Skift Take studio. He spoke to Skift about how IHG is trying to cater to both millennials and baby boomers, the way the company is keeping well-known brands relevant but comfortably familiar, the reason he isn't really worried about Airbnb, and the company's plans to expand the boutique Kimpton brand. Though we didn't know it at the time of the conversation in April, Solomons won't be doing many more interviews as CEO. In early May, he announced that he's stepping down from the role on June 30th. This mini-episode is one of several conversations we're bringing you from backstage at Skiff Forum Europe. What is the biggest problem that you are trying to solve in your company right now, either from the standpoint of hotel operations or guest experience, or really like the biggest overarching issue that you're addressing? That's a that's a very broad, it's broad. question. I'd probably come at it just in two ways. What one is to say that the thing we're fixated on is what the customer wants. I know that sounds maybe obvious, but our industry has not been necessarily as focused as it could be. It's been quite supply driven because we're the hotel business, which is about big buildings. We we actually think about them as experiential brands. Our brands are experiences that happen to be housed usually in a hotel. So, so the work we do on customer segmentation, understanding different needs, different occasion, leads us to focus on things that matter, leads us to enhance and refresh our existing brands, our established brands, and launch new brands. So that's how all of our thinking comes in. Now, if you ask about the biggest problem, that, that leads you to a myriad of issues. Probably the biggest thing we're tackling right now is replacing our reservation system. So we have a, uh, a project which we call GRS, our Global Reservation System, in conjunction with Amadeus, who are, who are doing the, um, the engineering work for us and will effectively launch the res system. Because that is a m- complete change of our technology platform from mainframe to in-the-cloud, state-of-the-art, which will enable us to fundamentally change over time, not immediately, how we interact with our customers in the sense of how we... Um, sell them different attributes of their stay, how we collect information on them, how we allow them to search for things within our business. And it's really the foundation for a lot of the things we want to do in the digital world going, going forward. That's, that's great because that leads to the next question I had, um, which was what do customers really want that you haven't been able to give them or that you think you can really do better? And that can be from searching to booking to the stay to the checkout, like any any step along that way. That's another very big question. Uh, it, it varies a lot, actually. But what I think we, we published a, 
report. Every year we publish a tre- what we call our trends report. I think it was our fourth that we published uh, in January. And in that we talked about sort of customer paradoxes. Because what, what customers really want is everything. And, and, and I think in the, the digital age where there is a lot of personalization and you can pick and choose and see everything, there's huge transparency, huge choice, customers sort of want everything. And, and so they want to do things for themselves, but they want it done for them. And uh, that's a paradox. And, and, and so it comes back to, we do a lot of research on customers. So trying to understand them but enabling them to personalize their experience along the way is really, really important. And it varies by need and occasion. And I, again, I think our industry has been a little fixated on the physical property, as I said, uh, less on how it varies for the same individual on different occasions. If you're traveling on business, you want one thing. If you're traveling on vacation with your family, you want something else. You're the same person. There's been a lot of talk about millennials and baby boomers. And it sort of makes me smile a bit that middle-aged men in grey suits patronisingly talk about what the millennials want. But the reality is a lot of what the millennials want is the same as what baby boomers want. And actually the trick is in one experience, one hotel, how do you allow those different generations to interact and get what they want out of the experience the way they want it? And that's our big focus. And technology is a big enabler of that because it enables you to do so many different things. Speaking of technology, I read that you use virtual reality, not just kind of as marketing, but as a design tool. Um, what is your approach to that? And why are you embracing VR from that perspective? It's very early days, um, but we are playing around with it like like many others. And I think with a lot of these new technologies, it's a bit like, well, we don't quite know how it's going to work, but let's give it a go. Um, so, so being able to... Um, get more people into, say, a mock-up room, a a new model room, and get them to experience it, where things are, how might they behave in that room, reaching out for, I don't know, the phone or a plug or what they do in the bathroom. It's just really valuable and enables you to collect that information in a much more effective way than just inviting people into a room in one, you know, you build one room, maybe maybe two in two markets, uh, and observing so I think all of those things are interesting. The, the trick actually for a business like ours, in fact, I think any business, is how do you define the technology that's going to make a difference to your business, your customers, your suppliers, uh, and focus on that rather than get carried away by technology for technology's sake. Mm-hmm. So I was always very skeptical about VR and all these demonstrations. I think there are some uses, as you say, in, in design, uh, in in planning and and in allowing, I think ultimately allowing people to experience, say a resort. Okay, come along to our fantastic intercontinental resort in Bali, or our brand new Kimpton Seafar Resort uh, in the Caribbean, and uh, experience it before you actually get there in an immersive way. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite powerful. Whether we can actually make that real enough, we'll we'll see. But there may be opportunities there. As you're thinking about the future of IHG, how do you try to take longstanding brands that people are really familiar with and make them fresh? And I'm thinking of like Holiday Inn, um, you know, which everybody in the U.S. is very familiar with. Um, What's your approach to kind of adding some spice to a brand that's been around for a long time? 
Yeah, holiday inn, you say, very familiar, not just in the US, but everywhere, but right? everywhere now. We're, we're in 100 countries with it and uh, just launched it in a few new markets, actually. Um, so, yeah, uh, you talk about spice. I'd talk about keeping it relevant mm -hmm. uh, because there are brands that have spice. If you think about Kimpton or Hotel Indigo, maybe. And there are brands that people love for a reason and they want something that is consistent and comfortable and they can just walk in and it's familiar and that's valuable and and that's part of again really understanding consumers that you're not trying to force something on them they don't want and you're recognizing there is a big core of customers of whatever generation who want something maybe familiar and there's a there's a core who don't um, so take something like holiday inn where 10 years ago we launched the biggest refresh of a brand ever, hotel brand mm. ever, where we actually removed about a thousand hotels. And since that time, we've added about 15, 1600 new ones. So it's been a huge change in the estate. But the biggest change for us there probably is what we call open lobby. And if you've seen it, it and uh, I stayed in one just a couple of weeks ago up in the northwest of England, works brilliantly, which is actually, you don't come in, have a small lobby, a separate restaurant, a separate bar, and people spend their time in rooms. Actually, people today, not just millennials, lots of people <laughs> want to spend, have much more social time. And uh, in order to do that, you need a different public space. And you've got the same physical building in many cases. Mm -hmm. So we've created what we call the open lobby, which is everything together. So literally the bar, the restaurant, social space, lots more space to sit, you know, lots more ability to do things, whether it's plugs or whatever it might be. Uh, and people interact all day. And, and, and the theory told us that and the practice is it's remarkable. So you've got now busy, buzzy, open spaces people want to be in. And we've seen that drive uh, the results. And, you know, we're a business. We have to drive results. So our guest satisfaction scores go up when we put in open lobby. Our return on investment for that hotel goes up when we put it in. And that is keeping it relevant. So it's not necessarily you know, the newest cutting edge thing, but it is... Um, allowing people to behave the way they want to uh, it, as opposed to forcing them into something that you've designed and it's really been successful. Mm -hmm. uh, when was the acquisition of Kimpton completed? It was just over two years ago. Yeah, okay. January 2015. Okay. Um, so what? how's that moving forward and what are your plans with that brand well, we're very excited with it it was it really was the um, best largest most established highest reputation boutique brand in the world and in north america but it was wholly us uh, and and we acquired it it's based in san francisco we've left the team in san francisco we've worked closely with them we've helped them where we can add value sort of back office stuff technology where we're a long way ahead They've helped us a lot on the design side, the restaurant side, the operations side. But for us, the opportunity is to grow it a bit quicker because we have bigger resources and we they've been signing more deals than they ever had before. Um, most importantly, bringing it outside of North America or just the US. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've announced a um, hotel in Amsterdam, which we opened later this year, another one in Paris, and we've got a lot more we're talking to because it's a brand that has a huge amount to offer. And it is not just a boutique, it is quite unique. The, um, the style of the experience is different and the expertise around restaurant and bar is really important. Mm -hmm. It is 
Kimpton hotels and restaurants for a reason. Mm. And uh, we see tons of opportunity. We're very excited about, uh, about continuing to grow it. Do you have your eyes on other potential acquisitions? Um, consolidation is a big, I don't know if trend is the right word, but obviously it's been a big, um, a big factor in hospitality. Is that, is that in your future more big M&A or are you happy with what you have right now? Well, Kimpton was medium-sized M&A. It was $430 million. Um, I think absolutely if there are other brands that are of the quality and have the growth potential, to fit within our portfolio and fill white space in the consumer segmentation, the way we look at it, then absolutely we'd look, we'd look at it. We'd also look at launching brands ourselves. So in the last few years, yes, we acquired Kimpton, but we launched Even Hotels, which is our wellness brand in the US, and Hualux Hotels, which is our brand uh, that we launched in China, designed by our Chinese team for Chinese customers. Both of those brands are right up there in absolute top echelon on um, customer satisfaction. Just take trip, their TripAdvisor scores and their TripAdvisor rankings. So we understand brand and these experiential brands and we're really targeted on it. So absolutely, we, we could do that we, or, or launch new brands. But I don't, there's no need. You know, mm -hmm. We have 5,200 hotels nearly. We have 1,500 in our pipeline signed deals, hotels to join. So we're not in a, a rush to grow. We'll grow appropriately. I don't see the need to be big just to be bigger which mm -hmm. some of our competitors seem to be doing. Um, we're very, very focused on offering the best customer experience and the best experience to the owners of our hotels. You know, I think our third-party business model, we don't own the hotels, they're owned sure. by others. And and that's what we're focused on. And I think moving into new markets or new businesses where you can't necessarily add value and just growing to be big, um, we don't see as the way forward. Mm -hmm. Last question I have is, what kind of impact do you see from Airbnb and other kind of alternative accommodations, and what's your strategy for dealing with that? Yeah, look, we we uh, keep a very close eye on the on the uh, the market for heads in beds, as we call it. And uh, in the last twenty years, we've seen big growth in vacation ownership in the U.S., particularly very big growth in cruise globally. Uh, all of that, well, most of that, leisure oriented, clearly. And uh, a lot of talk today about non-hotel accommodation. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not new. That's been a piece of the market forever. People have been renting apartments or homes forever. There's nothing new about that. Clearly, there's a couple of new intermediaries who've made quite a lot of noise. I mean, you talk Airbnb, but HomeAway, I think, is at least the same size, uh, which Expedia bought. Booking.com have apartments on their sites. There's many, many others. Um, so it's much, much bigger than Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So a couple of points. One... We, we really don't see um, any material impact at all on, on our business. I think you've heard that from the other hotel companies. And the reason is quite simple. One, it's been around a long time. They, we just happen to have a few new intermediaries pulling the supply together and, and, and probably encouraging growth, but fundamentally just aggregating supply. And secondly, uh, talk customer need, customer occasion. They are generally for different needs and occasions. And I think there's a simplistic view that there's a complete overlap. There's clearly some overlap. Fundamentally, um, non-hotel accommodation is about leisure, is about longer term, uh, is often for family trips. So, so the overlap is minimal. So we keep an eye on it. And I think as we evolve our extended stay product, uh, our service department product, that will probably become more home-like mm -hmm. uh, along the way. But we have no interest in being an intermediary and uh, getting into that end of the business. 
All right. Very good, Richard. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. If you like what you've heard from Skift Forum Europe 2017 in London, there's more in store. Skift Global Forum is coming up on September 26th and 27th in New York City. Find out about this and other events at forum.skift.com. This show was produced by Ben Glowey, who can be found on Twitter at visible underscore sound. Assistant editor Sarah Enlow provided additional support. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Skift on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a comment to help other listeners find us. Past episodes and a link to subscribe are online at podcast.skift.com. And this has been the Skift Podcast. Thanks for listening.